So Money episode 117, Jen Hemphill. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Whether you're on your commute, walking your dog at the gym, traveling home, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to check in with So Money. Hopefully, this podcast will not disappoint. Today, we've got a fantastic guest. She is relatable, down-to-earth, and practical. And for years, she felt frustrated and stuck in her day job, working endless hours to just pay all her bills, with little leftover. Sound familiar to any of y'all? Sounds familiar to me. I had this life not too long ago. And when she did do something fun or spent money, she felt extremely guilty. And uh, she's here to say you can turn it around. She's completely turned around her life, her finances, and now she is teaching and helping people turn their lives around when it comes to money. Her name is Jen Hemphill. She is a money coach. She's a personal finance mentor and online entrepreneur. She is passionate about helping women in particular simplify their finances, improve their relationship with money, and master financial skills so they they can focus on things that they actually really enjoy. Jen teaches, speaks, and writes about leading a fulfilling life without letting money get in the way on her website, jenhemphill.com. And when she's not talking about money, she enjoys photography, coffee, chocolate, and spending time with her husband and two sons. Three takeaways from our interview with Jen. How to know when you're ready to work with a money coach. Why so many of us feel guilt when we spend and how to turn it around. And managing money in a military family. Jen is the wife of a military spouse. So here is Jen Hemphill. Jen Hemphill, welcome to So Money. Thank you so much for having me. You are one of my comrades, one of my peers in the personal finance community. I'm so excited to share your work with this audience because I think you're doing tremendous, tremendous work helping everyone, particularly women, sort of get their finances on track, not just uh, with regards to their spreadsheets and budgets, but really from a holistic perspective, you know, looking at the emotions behind our financial decisions and what's holding us back internally, not just externally. You have a personal journey as well that brought you to this point in your career where now you're coaching people. What, uh, What made you want to pursue this? What was it in your own life that brought this to become now your occupation? Absolutely. Well, basically, it started back years ago where money was always an interest of mine, especially when my dad had a talk with me about it. But as we, my husband, we're a military family. So uh, my husband and I got married and we had Uh, We had a talk of where when we started to have kids, we had decided that I wasn't going to work a nine to five job. So early on in our marriage, we went from two incomes to one. And because of all the books I read, because I'm a nerd when it comes to personal development and financial books, I read more of those than the fun books. (laughs) Uh, that's That's a fact. But so in reading all those, I applied a lot of those concepts and I had a lot of people, family and friends just ask me, so what are you doing? Because we went from this two income family 
to one income plus having a kid. And we did have debt and everything at the time. And we managed to uh, not not only live our daily life, but we managed to do what we wanted to do, obviously within means. And so that started my interest. But as a military spouse, you know, we move around a lot. So I didn't really dive into that uh, until actually about, it might have been three years ago or four years ago when I uh, started the certification where in um, in the military spouse community, my husband has sent me an email that there is this, I don't know if you're familiar with AFCPE. No, tell me about okay. it. So it's an accredited, basically it's an organization where you can become um, an accredited financial counselor. So that's basically, so I went through the program. I was one of the fellows and I went through the program and it hit me that I can do this. I've always been looking for something that I can move with me where I don't have to start all over again. And it hit me that that was something that I can coach people on uh, uh, via the phone and so forth and with the technology today. So that's what started uh, that. Obviously, my background uh, as far as the experience I had with uh, the success that we had in saving and, and managing the money with the literally we were making at that time and the uh, questions that were asked uh, of me. So that's what started it all. And like I mentioned earlier, your advice, your coaching doesn't just focus on the tactical. Um, it's also about kind of the mindset shift that needs to happen. What do you notice too often with your clients that something that maybe a lot of us are dealing with, are struggling with, um, that is not uncommon. Right. They're really not in tune with their money roots, what they grew up. And once they, once we talk and we dwell dwell deep as to, okay, why are we having these thoughts or why are we feeling about uh, this about ourselves and our finances? Then they have a little, a light bulb moment of things that they're present as to why they're having those thoughts so they can move forward. So that that's really the light bulb moment for them. Well, I want to dig deeper into this because it's not enough to just have the light bulb moment. I mean, you might come to a realization like, oh, I'm cheap because my father was cheap and it's right. really ruining my relationship because I can't see beyond spending uh, very, very, very frugally, sometimes at the expense of hurting people or being short-sighted. But then once you know where the root of that is, what's the next step? How do you reconcile that? Sure. We also start discussing as to what their wants, because another thing that I see and I've experienced it and I've been guilty of of this myself is that we get so stuck in the and following all this advice that the gurus give us. Right. But we forget to be in tune to our wants and where we want to go. So we just get in this robotic, okay, I got to save, I got to pay off this debt and forget about our why and forget about what, what is it that we want in life? What is it that we want to accomplish? Uh, And that, that, so that's, that's the next step is we look into what is it that they want and be in tune with that versus, okay, the, the advice is I need to get out of debt. Well, why? to free up some money. Okay. Yes, that's great. But you got to be more, really more specific. So once that debt is freed up and that money or that debt, yeah, the, the money's freed up. What do you want to do with that extra money? Mm. Well, speaking of 
money roots. We're going to talk a little bit about your financial money roots. And before we do, let's talk about your greatest financial philosophy and all the work that you do and all that you've studied and all the coaching that you provide. What would you say is your leading money mantra, Jen? Sure. And I just referenced it is really being tuned into you and being clear on your why. Be clear on your why. So why Mm -hmm. I spend, why I save, why why I'm in debt. Right. And why I want to get out of debt, why I want to have more of a savings, those type of things. Mm-hmm. How often do you ask yourself that why? Actually, when I sit down and do our finances, I sit down every twice a month and just check in to see what's going on with our finances. Are we on track? Do we have to adjust some things? Because, you know, a budget, you know, you have to be flexible And so I can't say I do it every two weeks, but when there's something that's not going as it should, or maybe we, we, I thought we should be progressing faster in one area. Then I ask myself, okay, why are we, you know, what's going on? What is the why and all this? Because what happens is once you ask, when you're in tune to yourself and you're clear on your why, it creates excitement, it creates motivation and it's a, it's a, creates a drive to really conquer those financial goals. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times the why is driven by guilt. Sometimes, absolutely. Can you talk about that? Because I think that's a large part of our culture is that sometimes we feel um, some guilt associated with spending, especially if we're not the breadwinner in the relationship. I talk with a lot of couples. I work with a lot of couples where if there's in, if there's disparate income, one partner inevitably feels emotionally torn and guilty about spending the quote unquote family money. Right. And that definitely, especially amongst, amongst women, there's a lot of guilt on when it comes to spending money. And that's why another reason why I'm doing this, because a lot of depending on your relationship, one is actually the one that manages the finances, the other one doesn't. But I believe that both parties have to be in tune, have to have a clear uh, picture of what's going on with the finances. And if you have, if both parties have a clear picture and are involved in some way, then that's, that guilt is going to lessen. Mm. How do people find you? At what point do they typically come to work with you? Um, When does somebody need a money coach? Basically, when they're ready to take action. Because of the field that I'm in, because it's it's an interesting situation. People uh, need to make changes with their money, but because maybe of their mindset or maybe they see their financial situation is not at the point, they, they have to look at that. And then, of course, they find me online and uh, I have a consultation, free consultation that I do where we look at where they're at now, where they want to go and see if it's a good fit. Because obviously, if there's there's not enough money um, for the service, I'm I'm not going to push them or drive them to, hey, sign up and uh, and I'll coach you. But I can give them free sources and freebies that I have that can help them uh, to do those things, some of those things themselves. What was money like for you growing up? What kind of culture did you grow up in when it came to money? Well, it was an it was a com, uh, basically from a, a humble background, and uh, it, I grew up in, in Colombia. Uh, I'm from Colombia, so I grew up uh, there part of the time, and it was more in, in hindsight the mindset 
uh, was uh, very, uh, it was negative. It was a, a mindset on my parents of, okay, we don't, we can't afford this. I always, I always heard a lot of that, but I remember it was, I think sometime in high school where my dad sat me down uh, and we talked about money. And that was really, for some reason, that's the memory that I always go to that I think about is my dad sat me down and basically he wanted to talk to me about credit cards, which was pretty good timing because what happens when you go to college? Well, I might age myself, but when I went to college, there was always uh, students raising, that was a way to raise uh, funds for their organization was getting you to apply for a credit card and they would give you a t-shirt. But he had sat me down to talk about credit cards. And basically all he said to me, they're not bad. If you use them, just pay it off at the end of the month, because if not, you're going to be <laughs> paying a lot more. So that's, that's really, and that was like a light bulb moment of, oh, wait a minute, I really need to start thinking about money more, where right. I need to be more in tune of, okay, what do I need to do? So that way I don't get, because I knew of the experiences that they had, and I didn't want to put myself in that experience. What uh, what was the most, I guess, influential money experience you remember growing up watching your parents? What did they teach you? And maybe it wasn't that great of a memory, but it was a very uh, important one. I have to say it was that one when my dad sat down, because that's what, what I really, for some reason, I remember that so clearly. I can't remember how old that was, but I remember that day and I can visualize him and I can visualize the room. just how he just talked to me. Listen, if you're going to apply for a credit card debt, he talked to me about that. He tried to, he talked to me about uh, making sure that I uh, balance the checkbook. And he also talked to me about the, just the importance of saving. And if I apply for any type of loans, just to not, to pay it off as fast as I can, to not wait till the term of the loan, to basically not pay the minimum payments. You know, my dad gave me a similar speech and I, what did I do? I went and I got a credit card and started spending and just paid the minimum and (laughs) (laughs) graduated with a few thousand dollars in credit card debt. And I learned that lesson early on, fortunately, and I had time to make up for it. Uh, What would you say was your biggest financial failure? Even though we get the good advice, we don't always follow it, right? So what would you say was your kind of one big financial mess up? Huh. It's a big one, actually. Remember, we're a military family. So that, that's key in, in knowing this story. But we bought a home, okay? And I think in hindsight, I think we bought it on emotion in the sense of, you know, you always hear you're losing money if you rent, you know, put that money instead and purchase a home. You're always told uh, that real estate, it's a great investment, which, which it is. But what happened? We moved. And granted, we had the backup plan. If we move, we would, we did the research, we could rent it and we wouldn't have a problem renting it. But then this was in Arizona back in, oh, I don't know, it was 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. Um, The market crashed. So here we are, still fairly new married, uh, married. We're not anywhere near there. Uh, The tenants actually uh, left because we were, we were planning on selling the house. But the good news is we were such good savers that we didn't go into debt. We were able to uh, deal by the, when the, the house was on the market and, and be able to pay the rent that we were paying plus the mortgage and be able to live fine and not 
uh, get into debt. So that's the good part is that we were able to not get into more debt, but it was definitely, uh, for me, definitely a money fail. <laughs> How did you make ends meet? I mean, like, tell us a little bit about the struggle because we want to know. <laughs> sure. So we don't ever do that ourselves. Sure. I- it's just basically great, good money management where you take a look, okay, this is what we're making. Uh, and again, we had already put some some things on autopilot. So the savings was on autopilot. So we were uh, fortunate to have a good cushion and savings and really not spending beyond our means. We really had to tighten up, make sure that we weren't spending beyond our means. So it was a, obviously it can be a sacrifice, because not only this furnish, we didn't, uh, and actually, I forgot that I haven't mentioned this. This wasn't the only time that we bought a home. We did it again several years later. And guess what? The market tanked. And here we go again. And we, and we, were, when we got moved. So, this, the, so those are two times that we did it. But it was the big, the savings. And it was the, our, the money management that we had in place. And I'm probably, not sure if that's specific No, well, enough. I mean, I, I, because you're a military family, how did you engage in the financial planning? I imagine your husband might have been away some of the time. Um, how did you keep communication open? Sure. Well, in our family, I'm the one that do, uh, manages the finances. If, you would probably be surprised if I didn't, right? right. But yes, there was definitely communication because uh, in our relationship, um, He's the spender. I'm the saver. But then again, I I spent, of course, I can be the spender sometimes. And it was just a communication of he he definitely got into a habit of, hey, I want to buy this or I need to buy this. Can I do it? That type of thing. So it's definitely clear communication. We know what we're dealing with, what we're in and communicating each other with each other as to what we can do, what we can't do. What's one thing you argued about that you recall that was maybe a sticking point? (laughs) <laughs> or many, but maybe sure. one that really stands out. Sure. My husband is a, a man of a big heart, huge heart, and he loves to help people. And so basically it boils down to uh, helping family financially because some, sometimes uh, families uh, need help. And because we were, for some reason, always the ones in good financial positions, per se, uh, uh, we were always uh, sought to, to for help. So that's basically one we had to really communicate on that. Because uh, not that I'm not generous, but I knew exactly what we were dealing with financially. And could we, you know, lend or can we give this money to to family? So that's that's basically one one that mm-hmm. I can say. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about success. What would you say is your proudest so money moment? Sure. I would say is putting our system and by system, I mean, I've we've opened up uh, several years ago, several savings accounts to fund the things that we enjoy and put it on autopilot. So basically, we know we like to travel. So we look at, OK, every, you know, estimate uh, how much is it going to take us uh, to tr- uh, make two trips or three trips or whatever the case may be, whether they're many getaways or a bigger trip. And then we always also we break it down and look at, OK, how much is it going to cost an airfare, 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 
uh, if that's necessary, how much is it the lodging, all those, you know, spending money, food, all those costs. And we estimate on a yearly basis how much we're going to spend. And then from there, we come up with a monthly number where every month, of course, we look at our um, budget and see if that fits and we automate that. Uh, we've also done that where we started one for a car because, you know, taking out car loans, the cars depreciate uh, so much uh, that I'm not a big fan of that. I don't like taking out car loans. So therefore, we set it up. So we look at, OK, how often do we want to buy a car again? So is it every three years, every five years? And then look at how much do we want to pay for a car? And then from there, figure out how much can we put away monthly to achieve that. So therefore, if in five years we want a new, a new car, we don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Oh, yeah. So totally. For me, that's that's the most exciting where I had this aha moment. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? I'm sure other people do it. Really, because it's about not just compartmentalizing, but probably the visual benefit of seeing that particular goal become achievable to have that income, to have that savings really grow in a very specialized way. Absolutely. Is the motivation. Yeah, totally. Okay. Habits. What is your big, your biggest, your best financial habit? Uh, checking in every, every, checking in with our money every couple weeks. I go through and look at everything and really hone in as to, okay, or wait, I, because I'm not perfect. I sometimes overspend more than I should. Uh, and uh, so I really look at those things and see if we have to adjust. Uh, but I always know how important it is to be flexible and not to get frustrated because that's what happens with a lot uh, with people is they get frustrated and they just, oh, give up. But it's really important to be flexible uh, with your money. Absolutely. Okay. Ready for my so money fill in the blanks. Don't overthink these. These are just an opportunity for you to kind of reflexively, <laughs> is that a word? Reflexively to, uh, <laughs> you know, just give your your instant answer to these questions and you can fill the sentences as we go. So uh, if I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say $100 million, the first thing I would do is? Oh my goodness. Can I put a whole bunch? Because um, definitely travel. Uh, I've always dreamed of vacation homes in different countries. The, another big thing is um, funds for financial, the financial literacy movement in schools, because I think there's still not, a, there's still a lot of, there's some schools that it's required, but uh, there's still a lot more that we can do mm-hmm. in uh, high schools and in schools in general, where they can have a, a good curic- curriculum for financial literacy. And also an imp- another important thing for me is Uh, domestic violence shelters and education for those women uh, to really know how to manage their finances. Excellent. Well, what would you buy for yourself? Let's go crazy now for a second. What would you, what would you do for yourself? Because all these are wonderful things that you would do, but, and I sense you're an incredibly selfless person, but what would you do for fun? I mean, let's be honest, you have a hundred million dollars, there's a lot to go around. Vacation homes in different countries. <laughs> I, I, did, I did say that. Okay, good. <laughs> Definitely, because I really, we like to travel, but just having, you know, I you know, we think of, we love, I haven't been to Costa Rica. My husband has, and he just loved it. And he never, he didn't take me. Can you believe it? But oh, uh, it was a travel trip. It was a travel trip, but he just really fell in love with that. And we had actually looked, he had looked at a house that was for sale and I just the thought of just being able to go and just relax in a home of your own. Granted, it's a lot of upkeep and whatnot, but in different destinations, that would be awesome. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is daycare for our dog. Our we have a chocolate lab who is high energy. So if we don't give him the attention that he needs or he's not able to blow off that energy, he goes a little crazy. So that daycare spending is worth every penny. I have to say, I really thought you were talking about a kid at first, like daycare no. for my, <laughs> and then you said dog and <laughs> I had yeah, they to... have daycares for dogs for sure. Oh my gosh. And I don't want to know what that costs. Should I, should I want to know? I, it really depends on where you're at, but uh, it's a little less uh, than boarding a dog on a daily basis. So it just depends on locale because where we lived at before, it wasn't as much as it is here. Uh, but I think it, it can vary anywhere from maybe a full day from 20 to, six, I don't know, $50 a day, something like that. All right. Well, if you're a high energy dog, maybe that's. Oh, it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on, maybe too much money by some people's uh, expectations, is. I love workout gear. I love working out. So when I see the workout pants that are nice, you know, ah. wor uh, workout tops, uh, Fitbit, I love Fitbit. And. Yeah, those that's basically my guilty pleasure. Are you a Lululemon fan? No, actually an Under Armour. I oh. love a lot of their stuff. All right. One thing I wish I had known about money growing up is mindset. How the mindset and it's obviously nothing that people talk about much, but how much the mindset affects how you treat your money. Hmm. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because Fisher House. It is an organization that supports military families. So it's basically like a Ronald McDonald house in my, in how I see it. <laughs> they might correct me. I'm not sure, but uh, it's for military families. So they're located all over uh, the country and uh, they just do some amazing, amazing things. And finally, I'm so money because... I'm really having a blast helping women become so money. Yes. Well, thank you for doing the great work that you do. Everyone check out janhemphill.com. If you're interested in working with a money coach, you are fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Farnoosh. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Jen, check out our website, jenhemphill.com. She's also on Twitter by the same name. We've got all the links and the transcript for this interview at somoneypodcast.com. And there also you can ask me a question. As you know, every Saturday and Sunday, I dedicate the podcast to answering your questions, giving direct feedback. So it's really easy to connect with me. Just go on to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh and ask away. And I will uh, make sure to reference that in one of the upcoming weekend episodes. And as a reminder, if you'd like to go even further and have a one-on-one -on -one with me, you know, just 15 minutes with you and me, just go onto iTunes and leave a review about the show. And every weekend, every Saturday morning, in fact, I look at iTunes, I pick one new reviewer, and that person receives a free 15-minute money session with me. So I pick one a week, and uh, it's been really fun connecting with all of you closely. So if you're interested in that, please go on iTunes and leave a review. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hope to see you right back here tomorrow. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money.